Luke chapter 19 is where we will go from today. Glory be to God. And I'm going to start reading at verse 28. You don't have to stand because when we stand sometimes, you know, things start happening. Luke 19 verse 28. And when he had thus spoken, he went before ascending up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he was come nigh to Bethage and Bethany at the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village over against you in which at your entering you shall find a colt tied whereon yet a man has never sat on. Loose him and bring him hither. If any man asks you, why do you loose him? Tell them, because the Lord have need of him. And all of God's people said, amen. Tell somebody beside you, tell them, it's because of the prophecy. Now, I have this conversation uh, with many of you um, on different occasions when it comes to your ministry and your calling and what you feel the Lord has called you to do especially when it comes to attempting to discover it because all of us are called but what is that calling so anytime someone walks up to me and says I feel like I've been called into the ministry I'm like yeah I believe it (laughs) The, the, the challenge is discovering what that ministry is all of us have a pulpit but all of our pulpits are not in the synagogue or temple so where is my platform where has God sent me You have the five-fold ministry, and he gave some apostles. Not everybody's an apostle. Uh, The word apostle means sent one. So if you're not sent, you can't be an apostle. You got to be called for and sent from. Mm. Uh, Then the Bible tells us, and he gave some uh, teachers the the intricacy of of teaching of the scriptures. I think sometimes we belittle the ministry of teaching. Uh, I think we should embrace even more of the ministry of teaching. The ministry of teaching in the fivefold ministry, if it's in your hand, the apostles is a thumb because it gives you grasp. It's foundation. The teaching is the pinky finger, not uh, because of its um, insignificance. It's small because it's able to deal with the details. And then you have this finger, which is the ring finger, what we consider the pastor, because what Christ is to the universal church, the local pastor is to the local assembly. There's a covenant, not, not a hireling, not a one night stand, not an evangelist, but a pastor comes into covenant with that local church. Then you have the the, the, the longest finger, which is the middle finger, I won't hold it up. Uh, it's the ministry of an evangelist. So if you have an evangelistic ministry, um, that means you're going out. And the Bible tells us for us all to do the work of an evangelist, right? We're all to go out. It seems like our culture of church is saying, come, come, come to my church, come to my church. When the really message to the saints is go, go, go. Go into all the world 
You know, I don't want you to ever get lured in when it comes to evangelizing, telling people to come see my pastor. Tell them to come see Jesus. As a matter of fact, if I had this conversation with you about from the message parking lot prophets, by the time sinners come to church, you should be bringing a harvest with you. Not saying I'm bringing him to get baptized or I'm bringing him to get saved. No, he got saved at work the other day. I didn't already led him to the Lord. But then this ministry, which is the pointing thing in the ministry of prophets. I say oftentimes when we're trying to discover what our calling is, oftentimes you will carry the message in your life before you preach it out of your mouth. It's easy to preach it out of your mouth, but when it comes to actually living this thing, I always had an issue when people would introduce me and say, and the, and the guy said it in South Carolina on Saturday. He didn't even know me Friday night. He says, and Bishop Younger lives what he preaches. He lives holy. And I was sitting on the phone like, all right, do I know you? And if you're watching, you're a really nice host. But it's always made me feel awkward when people say he lives what he preaches. Oh, he's saved. Like, he's saved, saved. Maybe because I wear white robes sometimes. But don't get it mixed up. My white robe is not mysticism to try to put you in some sort of trance to see me as highly pious. My white robe is for my own personal consecration. Hmm. Thank you, Leonella. I, I can always wait on you to clap. Thank you. I used to have an issue when people say he lives what he preaches until I finally realized I do. I live what I preach. That's why I can stand here and be authentic when I stand here. I can operate in a level of freedom and the anointing comes on me when I stand here. Because the anointing is not for an image or presentation. The anointing is for a person. And you'll never walk into your anointing until you show up. Not the person you post to be. <laughs> Not the filter you. But when the real you really shows up, the anointing is going to flow. I always thought when I preached the message about David and Samuel, when Samuel comes to the house to anoint uh, the next king of Israel, and he goes from one to the next, or David's brothers, I always preached about your next, you know, you're the next one in line. Because he went from one brother to the next. The oil wouldn't flow until David got there. And the Lord spoke to me one day and says, that's all one person. That's all one person. All of David's brothers is something we put before God that we want God to anoint. An image we want God to anoint. But listen what the prophet says. We won't sit down until David gets here. I need you to look at somebody and tell them there's somebody that's waiting on all that you are. That's why I'm telling someone who's single, just because you're single don't mean you got to be desperate. And don't fill your personal time and space with practice when it's not promised. Because somebody is waiting on everything. There's somebody who's not intimidated with your past. There's somebody who's not intimidated by your funny ways. Because you know you got funny ways, right? There's somebody who can embrace everything that you are. But many of them won't find you. 
when you're distracted with something that's an Ishmael and not an Isaac. Mm. And so um, in discovering our assignment and our calling, we have to be present in our assignment. We have to be present in our now. Sometimes comparison is a distraction. Other people's lives are a distraction. I tell you, you'll, you'll carry it. You'll carry it in your life before you ever preach it out of your mouth. You know, we, we live in a Google generation where people are regurgitating information they heard. But it hits different when it's something you've experienced. And, and Cain knew his wife. And Adam knew his wife. That word no is not head information. It's intimacy. And many of us, the reason why there's a special anointing on us, because we went through the pressing and the crushing to produce it. As a matter of fact, if you plant an olive tree, it don't produce olives for three or four years. I need you to look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, you got to wait out the process. Some of us are frustrated because we have not seen immediate response or immediate fruit. And it has made us question. I'm preaching to somebody here. It has made us question. Are we in the right place? Are we doing the right thing? And did I hear God correctly? My Lord. You plant the seed. And it takes some time. For that seed to germinate. But let me tell you. Some of you. You've been in a season where it seems like there's no act. God told me to tell you he's been establishing your root system mm, my God ain't a whole lot going on on the surface my God hey, ain't been saying a whole lot ain't been talking a whole lot you get distracted by everybody else making moves that you move prematurely don't you be so don't you get so desperate to try to produce something to try to keep up with other people that you mess up the process that God is using to establish you for what he's setting up for your life let your roots go down deep because the deeper the roots the taller the tree oh glory be to God just give me one section to preach to because I only got six minutes left I said the deeper the roots the taller the tree the deeper the pain the greater the glory my God the deeper the struggle the greater the victory if you can sustain yourself while you're covered under dirt my Lord that's a testimony that he's establishing a root system to sustain the branches and the weight of the fruit because if not you'll fall apart in the middle of a blessing you have a mental breakdown in one of your best seasons because you didn't let God stretch you so you have the capacity to carry everything he's putting on you. Look at your neighbor and I need you to put your hand on that shoulder and tell him it's going to be everything God said. Come on, look at him, tell him, tell him, tell him again. It's going to be everything God said. But ask him a question, will you be able to handle it? You're so distracted about what it's supposed to be that you missed out on the, the weight of the process that's going to help sustain it when you get there. Okay.
Who's seeing? For you to be going through all of this, what you do? It's one thing to be overlooked by family. What happens when you feel overlooked by God? Evidently, you're not God's choice for you to be going through all of this. Who's sinned? Who, who sinned that this boy would be born blind? Was it him or his children? I mean, him or his parents? Now, that sounds crazy, right? Do y'all believe in reincarnation? What are y'all talking about? Who's sinned for him to be born for him to be born blind because the people of the ancient world are just like us anytime something bad happens it's always easier for us to believe it's because of something we did now be honest with me do you feel that have you ever tried to trace your present challenges to past mistakes to the point you almost embraced it maybe my life don't supposed to be as good as everyone else's because of mistakes I made in my past. Maybe that's why every time I look like things come together, they fall apart. Maybe that's why I never got married. Maybe that's why I haven't had a child. Maybe that's why my ministry hasn't taken off because of something that happened in the past. But I want you to consider, maybe this is not about your past. Maybe it's about your future. Who, who's born? This, this grown man is blind and he's been blind from his childhood. Who sinned? Jesus said, nobody. Nobody. What you mean? No, no, no. Some, this is, the blindness is a bad thing. So somebody messed up. Jesus is nobody. Or why is he born? Why is he going through this? Jesus says, so the glory of God could be revealed. All of us want to be trusted with triumph. But can you be trusted with trouble? Because what happens when you prayed about something and after you prayed about it, it ain't changed. What? No, no. What about when you turn around three times just to turn around and be looking at the same thing? What happens when you walk around that wall and that wall keeps standing? Because we always talk about how they walked around the walls seven times and the wall came tumbling down. That is scripturally incorrect. The wall didn't come down because they walked around it seven times. They walked around that wall 13 times. (laughs) So you're trying to do the seven days, but they went through consistency of every day. Some of you just started obeying God two weeks ago and you mad that your life ain't changed yet. <laughs> Who's sin? Nobody. It's for my glory. It's, it's for my glory. And so I was wanting to preach today. I was trying to figure out what would I say today about Palm Sunday. And uh, Pastor, Pastor Rabbi Waliki spoke very well about the donkey on Wednesday night. He's not a messianic rabbi. He's an orthodox rabbi. So some of you all were a little taken back that he didn't use a New Testament reference because for us it made sense, right? We were ready to go straight to this scripture. We have to realize for orthodox Jews, there is no New Testament. 
their Old Testament is the entire Bible. And so all he saw was the donkeys and how the scripture says in the book of Leviticus that in order for redemption to take place, if you have an offering of a donkey, it must be exchanged for a lamb. It has to be redeemed with the lamb. And he's teaching and we're going, hallelujah, hallelujah. And he was like, what? What's going on? He's like, this isn't the good part. We was like, no, it is the good part. Because the donkey is redeemed with the lamb. So he don't read the New Testament. So he didn't know this Luke scripture. They said when Jesus got ready to come in. A lamb sat on a donkey. And so uh, I'll close out with this uh, evangelist, J.E. So I was trying to figure out what would I say. So I thought about the wave offering and trying to connect the wave offering to the palm leaves. Um, I started to uh, talk about what it was for Jesus to come in and hearing them cry Hosanna knowing what was connected to it. Because we say Hosanna and we do make it synonymous with praise. But Hosanna for them was also a cry of desperation. It was, Lord, save us. And you have to realize when they said, Lord, save us, and they're talking about for their, from their sins. They are under Roman control. They're like, save us from these Romans. And so when he comes in, he comes in on a donkey. Which is ironic because... They're looking for a military leader. They're looking for a hero. So if you're a military leader and a hero, you're not coming in on a donkey. You're coming in on a horse, my Lord. So I started to preach about Jesus coming in on the donkey, knowing what his assignment was. And then I started to talk about the palm leaves and then the people and how people switch up because they cry in Hosanna now. But then they saw shouting crucify him later which was probably not the same demographic of people. Uh, the people from the Galilee would have still been supporting him. Uh, it's these Jerusalem people. It's these city dwellers. They haven't seen all the miracles he's performed. He's an outsider to them anyway. We'll have that conversation again about performing miracles as an outsider. Mm. Anointed but an outsider. Anyway, but I, I considered, since our theme on Wednesday night was about the donkey, I'll close with the donkey. Help me preach. Jesus told them, go over there in the city against us. I'm getting ready to come into Jerusalem. You're going to find a, a donkey that's tied that has never been rode before. <sighs> that has never been rode before. Hmm. He's been tied up and never rode before. He's been tied up and never rode before. He's tied up. You never wrote before.
Oh, no, I don't have a special punchline. No, no, tied up and never rode before. I'm, he's not in the city of Jerusalem, in the city walls. He's outside of the city walls, tied up and never really used. Tied up and never, always on the outside and never embraced to come on the inside. Never in about his choice. Watching everybody else go in. Watching everybody else come into their season. But he's tied up and have never been rode before. I just want to say to everybody who have felt tied up, never anybody's choice, always felt like the awkward one. Why would God allow you to experience being tied up so long? It's because of the prophecy. Zechariah 9 and verse 9 says, it says, when Messiah comes, restore rejoicing. Daughters of Zion, star shout. Oh, daughter of Jerusalem, behold your king coming. How are we going to be able to identify him when he comes? Your king is not like the rest of them. He's riding upon an ass. He's riding on a donkey. And we call donkeys stubborn. And one writer says, donkeys are called stubborn because they're they're often mislabeled because what we call stubborn is them being cautious. Everybody can't ride them. Everybody can't lead them. Everybody can't use them. And Jesus says, go get one that ain't never been rode before. Go get one that's been tied. My question to you. Are you willing to wait on the right moment? On the right person? Mordecai says to Esther, consider this. You've been hidden, you've been covered, but you've been brought into the kingdom for such a time as this. And for years, I felt unseen. And for years, I felt rejected. And for years, I was looking for my identity. And I tried to find my identity in my pastor. I tried to find it in my friends. And I felt forsaken by God. And the very place I tried to curse that place of isolation, that place of not feeling apart. The place I tried to curse was the place that really God was using to preserve me. 
Oh, I'm not going to scream because I want you to hear me. Some of you are cursing the process that God is using to present you without being contaminated. This is why when you go to do stuff, it don't work. This is why when you try to connect, it don't work. This is why when you try to make it happen, it fails. And it's not because God hates you. Why don't anything work for me? Look like everything happens so easy for everybody else. It's not God's hatred of you. It's not God's rejection of you. It's God preserving you for something greater than you could ever imagine. Because when Messiah comes, don't be a trained horse. When Messiah comes, hallelujah, don't bring me a stallion. Bring me something that has been preserved and consecrated. Tied up. Tied up. You know what tied up means? Enough rope for you to move, but not enough rope for you to go anywhere. You know what tied up means? There's always tension with your mobility. How many times have you made up in your mind you're going to leave? How many times have you made up in your mind you're going to escape? How many times have you resigned in your head just to find yourself clocking right back in the next morning? You've been cursing this place. But it's not going to work for you until you embrace it. Until you say something. So you said this. This is where God got me. This is where I'm tied to. This is who I'm tied to. And until Jesus comes for him, until Jesus calls for me, this is where I'm going to be. And when someone asks you, why are you losing him? <laughs> when someone asks you, why y'all pulling him out? Tell him because the master has need of him. All of you who've been bitter, my question is, do you want to be rode by Joe or do you want to be rode by Jesus? God says, I'm giving you a unique experience. Your anointing is different. Your grace is different. Your calling is different. And your destiny is locked into his instructions. Hey, this is Bishop S.Y. Younger. Thank you for watching this video. And now what I need you to do is like and subscribe to this YouTube channel so you can continue to get more inspirational, motivational, and gospel content in your direction.